the kids leave today to go to jam, they are making hygiene kits for the West End Food Pantry, which will be given out tomorrow when St. James serves the people in our community through that outreach. Um, so thank you guys for bringing all that stuff, and we hope to keep this going. This is not something that the West End Food Pantry has done before. They have never had hygiene items to give out, so they are incredibly excited, the volunteers are, to have that as, um, as a way of reaching those needs. <laughs> so I love to read. I like love stories. I love bio biographies. I like history. I like to cook. I like walking. I love being outside. I like visiting museums and listening to music. And I like playing games with my family and watching movies and laughing. And all of these things bring me joy. And at times, they keep me from being still. Um, I'm going to probably reveal more than I should during this message, so you'll just have to forgive me. Um, I grew up a TV hound. And what I mean by that is Saturday mornings, it was me and a box of Pop-Tarts and cartoons. I love that. That was my mom always knew that by like 7 o'clock, I was out of bed with Pop-Tarts and I was in front of the TV watching everything. And in the afternoon after school, it was Holy Jeepers Batman, Adam West, and Dark Shadows. And if you don't know what that is, for those of you who are younger, Megan, James, some of you all, Google it. Um, and watching soap operas with my mom in the afternoon uh, as we snap peas or uh, beans or peeled potatoes for the night's dinner. And that's just me. And I think part of it is, is I've found ways to connect stories to my life. Well, one of the shows that we are currently watching right now um, that's on NBC is the show This Is Us. I don't know how many of you all have seen that show. Um, and I like it because it feels real. It feels like you get a glimpse into uh, this family, into the lives of Jack and Rebecca and Kevin and Kate and Randall and... Um, Kevin, Kate, and Randall are part of the big, they call them the big three in that show. And um, the, the thing that I appreciate is the fact that the writers of that story flash back and we see them as kids and then moves ahead and we can see that the decisions that they're making, the experiences they have in their lives frame and change them into the adults they are now. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I wish I had that same level of insight. I wish I could look back and figure out how it is that I got to the place that I am. Why I think about things in a certain way because of what has transpired in my world. And I, I, I think that all of this is part of how I got to this point of this concept of being still. Um, and all of this is connected to this whole issue of prayer, in my opinion, here in step 11. 
I love Mark's image um, that he created for today's message. Those, those rocks, that precarious balance, that one little movement, and they're all going to topple over, right? Sometimes I think that's exactly the way we feel. And that being still, I think, gives us a connection that we are all craving for. So uh, Richard Rohr describes in his book, Breathing Underwater, this is uh, step 11. We've been focusing on this. And um, in step 11, he uh, frames it this way. Um, With step 11, we're sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand God, praying only for the knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry it out praying only for the knowledge of God's will for us and praying uh, for the power to carry that out. So I want to read, we're going to focus on two scriptures today. The first is Psalm 46, and I'm looking at verses 1 through 3 and 8 through 10. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I think that we come to understand God to be who, through this process of stillness, who we are created to be when we allow God to move in and through us. And when we move in that way, we we can see the world and situations through God's eyes. It's in this act of prayer that we can find our new selves if we will allow God to move in. Does that make sense? Allowing God to move in and setting aside all of these things that hold us back. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 and 22 to 24. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you, to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to clothe yourselves with a new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, I think that when you add all of these things together, when you add in this whole concept of being still, knowing that, be still and know that I am God, when you add that to this whole issue of renewing ourselves, clothing ourselves with this new self, and recognizing that in prayer, we move aside us and we allow God to enter, 
then we become a new creation. Then we become this one who can be a part of and do God's will. Now, I don't know what any of you think about prayer. So you're just going to have to, and if you want to share it, that's fine. But for me, growing up, I used to think that my prayer time was all about a list of needs. That I had to give God this list of all of the things that were going on in my life, in the lives of people I loved, in the world as a whole, and that through prayer, that was my only way to communicate with God. And it was also the way that I advocated for what I thought God should do, <laughs> which is laughable, really, right? The fact that I need to be the one to advocate what I think God should do. But what all of this is trying to say in step 11 through these two passages is that prayer is about allowing everything to exit and allow God to be a part of it to help us see what we are supposed to be, what the world is supposed to be, what God's will is supposed to be. Because if we move out of God's way, God's will will be obvious. Now, I think that that's really hard because I don't know about you, but I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to know what's going to take place. This is also going to date me. So one of my favorite movies of all times was When Harry Met Sally. Right? And, and in that character, Billy Crystal, who is like the ultimate cynic, says at one point that he reads the book, but before he gets too far into it, he reads the end. Because he he's afraid that one day he's going to die before he finishes the book, and he needs to know how it ends. Well, in some ways, that's the way I have been and still struggle to be in my own faith life. I want to see how all of these things are going to end, and I feel like my words are going to be the one to get God to where I want God to be. But that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Richard Rohr says in Breathing Underwater that for many of us, we see prayer as something you do when you are helpless. How many times have we done that? Something that we do when we feel helpless. And what he challenges us is to see prayer as a way to widen our lens in the world, to get a better picture of a situation, a different view on the world. So, and, and this is where I think it gets tricky for us, right? Because we think, we think that God doesn't already know what's in our hearts. We don't want to recognize that God knows what I'm struggling with, that God knows what's going on in your life, that God doesn't know the pain that you are feeling, that God doesn't, doesn't weep at what's going on in the southern border, that God doesn't know that the people who experience the the cyclone in Mozambique and thousands of people are gone 
because of a storm? God knows all of these things. God knows all of this. God knows our joys. God knows our pain and our sorrow. God wants to join us there. That's what prayer is, is the opportunity for us to be joined with God in the middle of that, to be moved, to see the world through God's eyes, not our own. Reading this, when James was struggling to try and figure out who was going to preach for him while he was gone, has, um, has been hard for me. And part of that is, is that I am the queen, or at least the princess, of lists. So working each day, I strive to meet my tasks, to get done what needs to be done so that I feel better about that. But this concept of being still, this concept of being clothed as a new person when I enter into a relationship with God in prayer where I am set aside and God fills me up is not about lists any longer. It's about presence. It's about being open. It's about listening to what God is saying to me, what God is saying to us as a congregation, what God is saying to the West End of Alexandria, what God is saying to the Commonwealth of Virginia, what God is saying to the United States of America, what God is saying to the world. That is God's will. And that can come to us in and through our prayer. My sister Sue um, had this chronic illness, terrible disease called lupus, impacted her in so many ways, all these systemic issues um, that were created from that. And at one point during her illness, she was in Maryland and was really struggling. She was in a bunch of trials at NIH. And at that point, I was in Houston, Texas. And so I was physically far removed from her and really struggled because I knew I couldn't be there. I couldn't help her, couldn't help her with her young kids at that point, Lucas and Cassie. I felt like I had abandoned her. And so I began to pray fervently for her healing. And every night before I went to bed, I was praying for that healing. And, and of course, the, some nights after a long day, I was falling asleep as I was praying, right? And I struggled at that point when she, the healing wasn't happening because I felt like it was because I wasn't praying hard enough. That I somehow had this view that her healing was dependent on my prayer. Does that sound crazy? No, I think, I think many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, would say that we've had that feeling before. But the truth is, is that step 11 is all about getting out of God's way and trusting that whether Sue was healed or not, which she wasn't, 
whether I recognized it or not, God was present with Sue through every struggle she had, even to the very end when she died in that hospital room, choosing in her incredibly stubborn way to wait until we all left one Saturday morning to go down to get a cup of coffee in the cafeteria, and that's when she left this world physically. You see, the truth is, is that our praying can change us. It can change others. I firmly believe it. I have experienced it in my own life. I have witnessed it. But that, those actions are not dependent on my prayer. My success or failure is in, in prayer is not going to bring about world peace. It might bring me a sense of peace so that then I am able to spread that peace in the things that I say and do. Does that make sense? Because sometimes I feel like we set ourselves up for failure in our faith lives. We lay everything on ourselves because we don't trust God enough. And that's what step 11 is about. It's about moving ourselves aside and allowing ourselves to be fully encompassed by God's love. And that is freaking scary. It is scary. Richard, I feel like I have the right to call him Richard because I hear him constantly when James is playing his recordings and we have now hundreds of Richard Rohr books in the house and not hundreds, but lots. And I have read multiple and I would suggest just as an advertisement, if you have not read this, you should, you should. And this is the other book, Monica and I were talking about that this, this week. Just This by Richard Rohr. Easy book, couple of pages every time you can read it. This man, this Franciscan, is an amazing man of faith. Amazing man of faith. So one of the things that he says in this book is, prayer is not about changing God, but being willing to let God change us, praying only for the knowledge of his will being willing to let God change us, praying only for the knowledge of his will. You know, we've heard the old adage, there are two things you can count on in life, death and taxes, right? Well, Richard Rohr says that there are five things we can count on in our lives. Love, death, suffering, God, and infinity. Love, death, suffering, God, and infinity. And I think that we spend our entire lives trying to figure out how we're going to respond to those five things, don't we? Whether we run away because we blame God for some of those things, or whether we run toward God because we know we cannot make through those things without him. How we pray determines how we live. Think of Jesus, right? Think of the stories you know from the Gospels. All the times he prayed, 
what did he do? He would go by himself and pray. The son of God, but fully human. He recognized that without prayer, he could do nothing. He could do nothing. But it's risky when I open myself up to God and I forget about the lists and I allow God to enter. God can and will change me. Richard Rohr puts it this way, our willingness to find God in our own struggles in life and letting it to change us is the deepest and truest obedience to God's eternal will. Finding God in our struggles and letting God change us. I don't know where you are in your own life. I don't know if you pray. I don't know how you pray. I don't know if you want to pray. I don't know if you listen. Or if you listen to God, how do you listen? But I've started to pray a little differently over the past couple of weeks. And it is tough. It is tough. I'm trying to be open to allow God to enter and to set my thoughts aside and to be present, to hear what God is concerned about in my own world. That is what I think step 11 is about. Because if we allow God to enter and to fill us, then we will seek after God's will a little bit easier. But it's risky because maybe God's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. I think that in being still, we come a little bit closer to who God wants, who God wants me to be, who God wants St. James to be, who God wants the West End to be, who and what God wants the world to be. Be still and know that I am God. So I pulled out this 30-something-year-old book, and God spoke to me in what I read earlier during the centering prayer portion, but God also spoke to me through this one thing. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, pray for me that I not loosen my grip on the hands of Jesus, even under the guise of ministering to the poor. That is our first task, Richard Foster writes, is to grip the hands of Jesus with such tenacity that we are obliged to follow his lead, to seek first his kingdom. Close your eyes for a minute. Think of those hands. Do you remember when you were little and you would reach out for an adult's hand who would guide you across the street or to the playground or just because? You can open your eyes. Those hands, those are Jesus' hands seeking to guide us through life. Seeking to lead us 
to where God wants us to be. So my hope is, is that we'll all have a little bit more courage to follow this step 11, to grab a hold of the hands of Jesus and to hold on for dear life. Being still and knowing that he is God. 